0: Good morning, Highway Community. This week we are finishing our summer-long teaching series entitled Arrow Prayers, where we have been looking together at some of the short and intense prayers that have been uttered throughout the Scriptures and how those prayers help focus our faith and sharpen our awareness of God and His presence with us. And it only seems fitting that we conclude our series this morning by considering an arrow prayer that was uttered by none other than Jesus himself during a moment of tremendous and pervasive struggle, personally, emotionally, spiritually, and missionally. And that's Jesus's prayer from Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Well, as we come to Luke chapter 22, Jesus is in Jerusalem. It's the final week leading up to his betrayal, arrest, trial, and crucifixion. And after he had shared the Passover meal with his disciples, where he took the bread and the cup and made them symbols of the suffering that he was soon to endure— Luke chapter 22, verse 39 says that Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. As we consider these verses, something that emerges from the subtlety of Luke's narrative here is that prayer was a habit for Jesus. Prayer was a habit for Jesus. Luke says that Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and on reaching the place, spoke to his disciples. And so Luke is definitely highlighting for us that what Jesus was doing here was not a one-off experience. This was something that he did habitually and so habitually that he had a regular spot. And so Jesus had a regular rhythm for prayer and a regular place for prayer. Prayer was very much a habit for him. And as his disciples literally followed him to that place of prayer after the Passover meal, Jesus encourages them, to follow him figuratively as well. He encourages them to follow him in the sense of patterning their lives after his. He says to them in verse 40, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus' command there is a present imperative, which means that what Jesus is calling his disciples to is an ongoing commitment to pray as opposed to just a singular moment. And so Jesus is inviting his disciples here to pray habitually as well. And that's because, for Jesus, a continual dependence on God, like like Paul's command for the Thessalonians to to pray continually, to pray without ceasing, For Jesus, a continual dependence on God is integral to resisting temptation. Keep on praying, Jesus says, so that you don't fall into temptation. For me, one of the most compelling things about Jesus is the way that he always pairs his words with actions. Throughout the Gospels, we we consistently see that Jesus didn't just teach, He lived what he taught. And this story here from Luke chapter 22 is no exception. Because as soon as Jesus finishes telling his disciples to pray, Luke chapter 22, verse 41 says that Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed. Jesus prays there, "Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done." Now, as Jesus offers this prayer, he is in this incredibly intense moment. Jesus knows that he is about to be betrayed. And he's fully aware that his mission was going to culminate on the cross and that the hour for that was rapidly approaching. And as he faces that reality, as he prays, Jesus is amazingly honest with God about what he wants. He asks his father to take this cup from him. Well, the cup is an Old Testament metaphor for circumstances that life hands you over which you have no choice. And so, by praying for God to take this cup from me, Jesus is saying that he wants out. He's saying that he would like to take a pass, that, that he would like another way. To fulfill his mission. Another way that that doesn't involve the pain and the suffering and the horror and the humiliation that he knows is ahead of him. Another way that, that wouldn't involve experiencing the total darkness of separation from his father as he bears the sin of humankind. And Jesus is, is effectively asking here for a different script with a different ending. And His prayer is a really beautiful glimpse, I think, into His humanity. Hebrews chapter four verse 15 says, "For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses." But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And we definitely see that here as Jesus experiences and wrestles with so many of the feelings and emotions that are so native to our own experience, like fear, uncertainty, anxiety, the desire to avoid pain and suffering, the struggle that we often face with our own will. And I love how Jesus' prayer belies none of that. Jesus doesn't pretend here like he, like he doesn't have a will or like his will doesn't matter. Instead, Jesus is honest with his Father about what he wants. He's honest with his Father about how he feels in the moment. Jesus prays with this deep and refreshing sense of honesty. And so, once again, Like we saw when we looked at David's prayer from Psalm 51, Jesus shows us the importance of being honest with God when we pray. But at the same time that Jesus is honest with God, we also see that his prayer is marked by humility as well. At the same time, Jesus is honest with God. His prayer is at the same time marked by humility. In addition to prefacing his request for God to take the cup from him with the words, if you are willing, Jesus also follows his petition by praying, yet not my will, but yours be done. And so after honestly expressing his own will to God, Jesus prays this prayer of total submission. And similar to the way that the father of of the demon-possessed boy was, was caught in the middle of faith and doubt when he exclaimed to Jesus, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And we find Jesus here caught in the middle of two wills his own will, and his father's will. But his prayer ultimately is for God's will to be done. And look at how God responds to Jesus's arrow prayer. Verse 43 says that an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now notice there that God doesn't respond to Jesus by taking the cup from him. Instead, he responds to Jesus by providing strength. He responds to Jesus by providing strength through the presence of an angel for the struggle that's ahead, and specifically for the struggle that it would be for Jesus to align his own will and his own desires with his Father's. And everything about Luke's description there in verse 44 underscores what a struggle submitting to the Father's will is. The word that Luke uses that's translated for us as anguish is a word that's also used to describe the struggle of an intense athletic competition. And the way that Luke describes Jesus sweating certainly fits that idea, albeit at an entirely different order of magnitude. Because Jesus' sweat, Luke says, was like drops of blood, falling to the ground. And, and as Jesus receives that strength, and as he hunkers down and prays more earnestly, I'm reminded of the story that we looked at earlier in our series from 1 Kings chapter 18, when Elijah, after successfully asking God to send down fire from the heavens, bent down to the ground put his face between his knees and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed some more for God to send rain. And Jesus' experience here similarly reminds us that, that praying, yet not my will, but yours be done, is anything but an easy endeavor. It takes time and persistence and sweat to see what God sees. It takes time and persistence and sweat to want what God wants. But just as God met Hannah in a very tangible way and when she poured out her heart to him at the temple, so too does he meet Jesus here in a very tangible way. Luke chapter 22, verse 45, says that Jesus rose from prayer and went back to his disciples. And Jesus rising there really completes his prayer. It brings his process to a full circle. Jesus started his prayer journey by kneeling, God strengthened him to pray more earnestly, and now his rise and his return to the disciples signifies a sense of completion. It signifies a sense of resolve. It signifies an embracing of God's will. And when Jesus found the disciples, Luke says that he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. And they were exhausted from sorrow because at that Passover meal, they had just really, truly begun to understand the rejection that lay ahead for Jesus. And we see from this exhaustion that that had totally wiped them out emotionally. Look at what Jesus says to them in verse 46. Why are you sleeping? Jesus asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And so we see that Jesus there reiterates that same command that he gave to his disciples when they first arrived at the Mount of Olives. Pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And so Jesus' teaching, and more importantly, the example that he models, reveals for us that the way to remain faithful, the way to remain obedient to God's will, in the midst of all of the other things that can tempt us, and all of the things that can challenge us at our very at our very core the way to remain obedient to God's will is through persistent earnest honest and submissive prayer the way to remain obedient to God's will is to keep on praying and of course for Jesus, the thing that's most integral to that, the thing that's that's at the very foundation of persistent, earnest, honest, and submissive prayer is habit. It's habit. And for Jesus, it was that rhythm of going out as usual to the place. And for as challenging as establishing habits for prayer can be in the midst of of the busyness and demands of normal life circumstances. I know for me, at least, it feels even more challenging in these COVID times of sheltering in place and with everything revolving around home. We're working from home. Many people are also trying to take care of kids who are home while they work from home. Some people, in addition to that, are heavily invested in supporting their kids as they navigate online learning, which adds a whole new demands and and pressure to things. We're trying to keep up with family and friends and church. And all of that not only makes it hard to find any sense of structure, the sheltering in place also makes it difficult to find a place to retreat to, like Jesus had, or really to find any sense of, of differentiation at all, for that matter. But despite all of that, you know, while it's always important for us to create space to keep on praying, it's especially important right now to create space to be faithfully in touch with God. It's especially important to create space to listen, space to be honest about all of the things that we are feeling and all of the things that we are experiencing during these unprecedented times. It's especially important right now To create space to quiet our minds and our hearts. To create space, even if just for a few moments, to find rest and to find peace in God's presence. And so, I want to share just a couple of very simple ways that you can take a, a meaningful step toward creating rhythms that will encourage you to keep on praying during this season. Since the very beginning of sheltering in place, every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m., we've been offering Lectio at lunch, which is very simply an intentional effort to provide some sense of rhythm and structure for creating some sacred space during the week to pray. And in each 15-minute session, we engage in a prayer practice called Lectio Divina, which consists of a rhythm of listening to a passage of Scripture, reflecting on a question, responding in prayer, and then resting in God's presence. And it's a really easy way to create some structure during the week for prayer. You can join us live for that on Facebook, or alternately, if the lunchtime hour is not good for you, all of the Lectio at Lunch sessions are available after the fact, both on Facebook and on YouTube to access at whatever time works well for you. And there are currently more than 20 sessions available online with another two added every week. And so if you wanted to create even an alternate rhythm or a more frequent rhythm, there are plenty of sessions there to allow you to customize that. Lectio at Lunch is a great resource for creating some rhythm and structure and space for prayer. Another space for prayer that's available during the week is on Thursday mornings, where a group gathers together from 7.15 to 8 a.m. on Zoom to be attentive to God in prayer and pray for His will to be done, particularly among those who are vulnerable during this COVID season. And this space on Thursday mornings is a really lovely one uh, to step into a rhythm of praying in community with other people. And, and as I mentioned, uh, the time that this group meets, I can't help but think about Jesus's words to his disciples as he rose up from his prayer in Luke chapter 22. He says, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray. And so Thursday morning prayers is really the ideal space to follow Jesus's words in the most literal sense, right? (laughs) But for all the challenges that come with COVID and with sheltering in place, one of the benefits, maybe one of the few benefits of everything being online, especially when it comes to this Thursday morning time of prayer, is that you can actually sleep right up to the last minute, roll out of bed and join in. No showers necessary, no commute. Being somewhere at 7.15 in the morning has never been easier. Uh, But but seriously, all kidding aside, there's something very special about starting the day in prayer with others. And despite the early hour, Thursday mornings are always a highlight of my week. If you'd like to join us, you can head on over to our website at www.highway.org, click calendar, look at Thursday, click on the 7.15 a.m. Zoom group, and then click on the sign-up link, and we will send you the link for the Zoom. Or, if you prefer, you're welcome just as well to email me directly at john at I hope you'll join us. Father, we thank you for the teaching and for the example of Jesus this morning. And we thank you, Lord, for your constant, never-ending presence with us as we walk through this strange and unsettling season. And thank you, Father, for the gift of these stories from the scriptures that we've looked at over these past 10 weeks. And while all of them are rooted in their own set of circumstances, that common thread that runs through them all is prayer. And over and over and over again we see your faithfulness we see your provision we see your mercy we see your grace we see your power we see the transformation that comes through prayer. And Father, I pray this morning that you would make Jesus's command to keep on praying alive in us. And that as we do that, but as we lean into the endeavor of continuous prayer, Lord, would you meet us in that space? Would you fill us with the peace of your presence? Would you strengthen us through your spirit? And most importantly, Father, Would you be about your work of shaping our will after your will and our hearts after your heart? Amen.